welcome to Amplify Your Impact, where we talk to fast-growing, mission-driven entrepreneurs about how they're growing their businesses and helping others to get results. My name is Susan Leonardson, and on today's episode, I have Robin Copernicus. He is the founder of Vertical Liftoff, the first startup accelerator that helps you skip investor funding. He's on a mission right now to help 35 startup founders get their first paying customer without having to have a pitch deck or MVP. So if that relates to you and what you're doing with your business, listen up because we're going to talk about that. Um, we're also going to get to know Robin. So first, welcome Robin to the show. Susan, I'm so excited to be on the show. It's like finally time. <laughs> finally. I know we've known each other for, it's like I'd be over a year now, right? And like podcasting is what brought us together. <laughs> and we haven't even like done podcasting interviews together. So happy to have you on. Um, uh, we've known each other. Not only have we known each other, I was actually a client of yours as well. Yeah, you were a client of mine. Like I was just thinking back to that uh, the other day of like, first time I met Robin, it was when uh, our mutual friend and mentor and coach Jamie Atkinson was like boxering us because I was already a, a student and client of Jamie's. And he's like, hey, I have this, this guy named Robin. He's interested in coming into the program, but like he's questioning a lot of things. And I, can you guys just like answer some of his questions? Like, yeah. And like, I jumped in and I was like, oh, that's awesome. So yeah, it was, it was fun having that connection. But anyway, okay, let's see. So that is a bit of your story. You got into podcasting and um, tell us a little bit of your like background. Like before, before that, um, I, I think you're a true entrepreneur uh, where you've, you know, done a little bit of a lot. <laughs> um, tell us a little bit about your background and like how you landed on what you're currently doing. Yeah, that, that's a, a great question, right? Because the journey of how we're, how we've got to where we are right now is so important. And this journey has been crazy. So just like you mentioned, I self-identify as a natural born entrepreneur and as a natural born entrepreneur, I've always wanted to do entrepreneurial things. However, my parents, they were first generation immigrants to the US. And when they left um, Bangladesh, where I was actually born, when they left to the US, that was like a huge risky undertaking in itself. And then once they got to the US, they didn't have any friends, any social support networks. So getting, you know, making a mistake at that point is something huge because if you make a mistake, you might not be able to feed your kids the next day. So that risk averseness kind of rubbed off onto us. Anytime I had any entrepreneurial ideas or pursuits, I was always talked out of it. My parents always told me, go get a job, you know, get something stable, start earning some stable income and then start working on your side project. And once that grows, then you can finally quit, which to me, I think if you're a natural born entrepreneur, that is horrible advice because <laughs> what you end up doing is you, you put all your energy and focus into your employer yeah. instead of your own startup and you start splitting your focus. And when you split your focus like that, you're doing both jobs really poorly, your job and your startup. And you're probably gonna get fired anyway because you're so passionate <laughs> right. about your startup. So yeah, I take so, it you did not heed their advice. <laughs> well, I, I did for okay. a long time. Okay. And I think heeding their advice, I mean, obviously my parents had the best of intentions and yeah, this is, you know, just stuff that they, they want what's good for you. So they don't know any better. Um, but I, I did heed their advice and I started 
really chasing a lot of prestigious things. This is kind of like a phenomenon that happens in, I, I don't know, Asian households where we're just like taught to go chase after prestigious things, even if it doesn't make us happy. Um, so I've kind of went that route. And as I started chasing different accolades and as I was earning them, I just kind of looked around. I was like, none of this is making me happy. You know, what I really want to do is I want to be my own boss. I want to take all the power into my own hands and, and be an entrepreneur. So yes, yeah, so I, I was actually a commodities trader. And I left that commodity trading job without telling my parents and I started working on my own startup full time. That's awesome. So you've you've been in like where you help your clients now, you've been there. You've wanted to do a startup, but you is that is that accurate to say like you kind of weren't really starting with anything? Like because you you left your job. It wasn't like you had a job funding you anymore. You left it and then you're like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna go in all in on this thing. Um yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so, so so it's kind of like one of those things where you know you have to do this, but you keep stopping yourself because there's like your environment around you doesn't let you grow, doesn't kind of nurture that entrepreneurship. So I've, I, I have an MBA and in the MBA program, I mean, I was in the entrepreneurship club. I was actually the, the founder of the tech entrepreneurship club. So entrepreneurship was a huge thing. After I graduated from my business school though, um, I, I did want to start my own startup and I kept on doing startups kind of like the business school way what they teach you they teach you to go after a huge market size and they do this because they are hoping you can build a business that will be attractive to venture capital so when a venture capital looks at your business what he's hoping is that there's a lot of potential so they're looking for a huge market size and if you can get a little bit of traction and you've already validated your idea you're starting to make some revenue and you have a small slice of that market share the investors hoping that they can come in with their capital and their resources to help you take more of that market share. But when they teach you to run businesses like this, they're actually setting you up for failure. The way the system works, it makes the venture capitalists happy, not the founders. If you take any kind of entrepreneurship class, the, the very first thing that a business school professor will tell you is 96% of your companies will fail. And the reason that is, is because of the way that they're actually teaching entrepreneurship. They teach you to go after this huge market size. And what I've learned is that that's not the right way to do it. The right way to do it is actually to niche down and be hyper-focused on a very specific niche, which is what I'm calling a vertical startup. And when you start doing that, interesting things start happening because you start repelling the wrong people and you start attracting the right people. So instead of chasing customers, which is typically what a lot of founders are doing right now, they chase the market and they try to find out where the best fit for the product is. We're building a system where we're attracting our customers and we don't have to keep, keep going that route. So the MBA way was something that I learned that sets you up for failure. When you start niching down like this, this is actually something that we haven't been able to do before because if you were marketing to a, a huge niche, for example, and let's say that you wanted to market nationwide, well, you would have to take out a Super Bowl commercial and that's super expensive and you might not make your money back. The cost of customer acquisition from that commercial might be way too high. But now because of technologies such as Twitter ads, Facebook ads, Google, YouTube, et cetera, we can actually reach a very specific niche in a very scalable way that's actually easy on our pocket. So this is a new thing that's happening that's kind of democratizing venture building for everyone. So it's like a super exciting time to be a startup founder. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I'm following along listening to you and I'm, I'm thinking about like something I listened to recently and I don't remember who it was from or anything, but it sounds similar to what you're doing in that you're starting small, you got your niche and you get like your early adopters. It's like, okay, I've got like these people that 
are our ideal people and I'm building this for them. And then eventually you could grow outward. Like, okay, this isn't just for them, but you know what? This could also help this people, you know, these people, this niche, and you can grow from there. So it's, it's, it's the exact opposite of what they're teaching people in school of like, start big. And then maybe you can like, you know, narrow down your focus after you've got like the huge market and like, you know, you're, you're, you're doing opposite, which I think is smart. Like just common sense tells me like, that's the way to do it is, is exactly how you're helping people to do it. Yeah. So, it's like a super obvious way to do it. But the thing is they're not teaching this in business schools. And, right. and the reason that is, is because venture capitalists are the ones who inform business schools on what their entrepreneurship program should look like. Yeah. So the, the whole system is set up to make it's, the VCs happy, not the founders. Yeah. Yeah. So now you uh, have this program where you are, you're helping people to basically you're teaching them how to do this. You're, you're teaching them like, okay, you've got your idea. You have got your you know, business plan. You've got this ready to go, but you don't have any funding. You don't have any venture capital funding. You don't want to pursue that or it's not an option. And so here's, here's the alternative way to do that. Um, talk to us a little bit more about your program. Like what does that, what does your program look like? Yes, absolutely. So the, the program is Vertical Liftoff. We are the first startup accelerator that helps you skip investor funding. And our approach is actually totally different. So the way that we are different is in three different ways. One, we focus on 100% equity. So we don't believe that you're a true boss unless you keep all of your equity. So if you're giving equity away to investors or co-founders, you're starting to get dead weight. And especially if you give equity away to an investor, you're an employee. So you start losing this freedom. So we are all about 100% equity. The second one is we start with founder market fit. So right now, the typical way that founders are doing it is they'll start with the technology and then they'll try to figure out where to sell it later. But you, that's not the right way to do it. So um, Steve Jobs was actually the one that says you can't start with the technology and then try to figure out where to sell it. You have to start with the customer experience. So starting with the customer experience first means you have to actually like your customers because if you don't like your customers, you are not going to like your business. So we start with founder market fit and we make sure that you are getting into a business that's actually going to make you happy because the last thing we want to do is trap ourselves into another dead end job again. We are getting into entrepreneurship because we love freedom. We want to maximize freedom. And the best way to do this is to make sure that we're putting ourselves into a sustainable situation. A lot of times what happens is founders, they will, they, you know, as, as, as entrepreneurs, we see million dollar, billion dollar ideas everywhere, right? There's an idea there, there's an idea there. And we just jump on an idea and we start working on it without realizing what our life is going to look like 10 years down the road. This is actually one of the first mistakes that I made after business school. I, I went to a school that was very heavy on medicine. So I wanted to create a, a, a health oriented startup. And my idea was to use AI to be able to replace the pharmacist. And we were going to use AI and eventually it would become like a personalized medicine startup. But that's not where I see myself being. And I'm so happy that that business or that startup failed because if it actually continued, then I think I would have been miserable where I am right now. So we do founder market fit. So again, that's 100% equity. Then we make sure we have founder market fit. And then finally, we focus not only on profit, but also on happiness. So this whole idea is everyone's chasing profit. The investors are looking for profit, but founders, they're not really interested in profit. I don't think, you know, most founders don't wake up in the morning and say, they don't say to themselves, I'm doing this because I'm going to get that Ferrari in the morning. They're doing it because they 
they see some kind of problem in the world or they see some inefficiency and they want to create change because they want to help people and they want to uplift society altogether. So their way of looking at their startup is a little bit different the way from the way that investors would look at it. So it's all about profit and happiness. And the thing is, if you're happy, if your employees are happy, your customers will also be happy. And this has compounding effects on the entire organization. So that's how we are different. What we do, the way we set it up is I have this process called the vertical method. So the vertical method is a two-prong approach. The first prong establishes founder market fit. So this is where we're making sure that you're going to get into a business that you're not going to get tired of. A lot of times founders, they will make an excuse on why they failed. They'll tell you that, oh, they couldn't get funding, the co-founder left them, or Google shut off their ads account. But what's really happening is that this founder is losing motivation. And the first obstacle that comes up, they'll just say, you know what, this is way too hard. I don't want to trap myself into this job. And they'll use that as an excuse to walk away. But the thing is, if they were actually motivated, they would have figured it out. They would have kept the distance. They would have kept going. And they would have built something that they really like. But because they're not motivated, they lose that motivation, they quit. So we're trying to avoid that situation by establishing founder market fit. And the way we do that is to pick a niche that's congruent with your core identity. So when I say niche, I don't mean your product. When I say niche, I don't, you know, like let's say you're, you're doing gardening tools or your niche might be um, computers or something like that. That's not the type of niche I'm talking about. The type of niche that I'm talking about is the people. It's really about the people. The people that you surround yourself with is what's going to make you happy. And again, if you don't like your customers, you are not going to like your business. So we solve that problem with the first prong. Then the second prong is we use the GPDS framework. So the GPDS framework is like this. We grow a community first. So we're growing the customer list first. Then we pre-sell a minimum viable mockup. Then we develop our solution and then we scale our solution. So none of these items, there's Nothing's really innovative in each of those items. Where the innovation lies is in the order of operations. So instead of building the product first, which is typically what we're told to do in a business school program, we are building the customer list first. Instead of doing a crowdfunding campaign first, where you're going on Kickstarter, you're doing this massive campaign, you're releasing to crickets, we are growing the customer list first. When you start growing that customer list first, then can you start thinking about your crowdfunding campaigns, and building up your system. And you can do it in a way where you're getting feedback from your customers. You're actually building hype along the way. And you're doing it in a way that's sustainable, where you're not going after, you're not spending all your energy and focus trying to get investment funds, talking to, um, you know, putting together pitch decks, and where most of your energy goes after chasing investors. This way, you can focus your energy on actually delivering value to your audience and your community. Yeah, that's so awesome. Like, that's, I'm so excited for you and for anyone that comes and, and starts working on this with you, because this is like totally in alignment with my core values. If I had, if like I fit in <laughs> to um, someone who needs, needs to jump into this program, I wholeheartedly would uh, because everything you just said aligns with, with what I uh, believe in and it's perfect. So I'm really excited to see this take off and to see uh, people's businesses take off through working with you. Um, if it's okay, I'd like to shift gears a little bit. Actually, hold on. I always do this. Like my listeners are going to be used to this. I always like start to move on, but then I always am like, hold on, wait a minute. Um, before we do that, 
let everyone know how they can connect with you and where they can go. Like if they're interested in now talking to you more about, um, about your program, vertical liftoff, where should they go to connect with you? Yes, absolutely. So I have a lot of content out there and I actually give away all my secrets on my podcast. It's called the 6% entrepreneur. So if you look up the 6% entrepreneur, if you go to T H E S I X P E R C E N T dot C O it will take you to my podcast website and actually give away all my secrets there. And then for people that have a burning issue that they want to discuss, they're ready to talk about their idea and they're ready to start making a change. Um, if you do want to book a call with me, you can go to launchwithrobin.com and it'll take you to my scheduling calendar where you can book a call. After you schedule that call, there's a short little application form that'll help me get a little bit more info about your business so we can hit the ground running. And also I have a blog, so if you go to robin.ws, it'll take you directly to my blog where um, I put out a lot of content on the vertical method and case studies and some of the cool things that we're doing with uh, helping companies grow their customer list so they can use that as leverage in building their company in a sustainable way. Awesome. Okay. We'll put all those links down in the show notes for you guys as well. Um, Robin's, Robin's an awesome dude. Go connect with him anyway, even if <laughs> go listen to the podcast. Um, okay. So for the last little bit of time that we have, I want to ask you about your business. So you spend your business is helping others to grow and establish their businesses, but I want to know like, okay, what, what do you have going on? What is your, uh, like focus right now, or like even in the next six months, like what's, What's on the what's on the horizon for Robin and his business? Yes, so I'm, our team is actually starting to slowly grow. So we just brought on some content writers. I am releasing a book on November 29th called Minimum Bible Maka. So we're starting to amp up the sales process for that book. We are starting to get people into my startup accelerator. So I've already signed up the first four people and I'm so excited to help them start growing their customer list. So they don't have to go seek out investor funding. They can start building value for their company right away. And the thing is, Susan, you actually asked a question earlier. It's like, how did I kind of get to where I am here? So I've had other businesses where they were making a really good passive income. And a lot of the ways that I launched it, and actually a lot of the ways that I'm launching my book and my accelerator and my previous businesses is using the vertical method. However, with some of my previous businesses, and I'm, and I'm completely open about this um, on my podcast, actually, I had a lot of passive income type businesses, which were slowly dying out. And I had to make a decision. Do I try to see what's going on and fix these businesses or do I move on? And I actually made the decision to move on because those prior businesses they weren't really directed at my people. And my people are early stage startup founders were bright, creative, They're, they wanna build things, they wanna change the world. And this wasn't the people that I was serving and doing customer service for that group, even though it was nice passive income. Um, passive income, by the way, it takes a little bit of maintenance because things are gonna break, so you're gonna have to go back and fix it. I had to decide, did I want to take away from my mental energy and start going and working on those passive income businesses, or did I want to shift gears and directly only serve my dream clients? So I picked the latter where I'm only serving my dream clients. And I, and I sat down and I tried to figure out how I'm going to do this. And what I discovered is that what I've learned over the past couple of years is so different from the MBA way that this is where I could really benefit my audience. 
and helping them grow a business that will actually succeed instead of using that 96% failure rate. I was actually talking with one of my teammates, Anna, and we were talking about how if you if someone goes the vertical method, like we really don't see how anyone can fail because you're growing your customer list. And as you start growing your businesses, you're actually able to leverage that list into so many different business offerings and services that even if one business line fails, you have so many others where you can start making income because you're leveraging this list that you're growing that it's really difficult to fathom like how anyone can fail. So that's kind of where I am with my business. Now I had a lot of passive income businesses where I've shifted gears. Now I'm putting all my focus into this book, getting this message out where you don't have to go seek investor funding to launch your startup. You don't have to go find co-founders. You don't have to put all these obstacles in front of you. You can actually go out and do it. And in the book, I'm writing the step-by-step -step method on how to actually go do this and bringing people into my accelerator program and helping them launch their startups without having to seek investors as well. So it's a, it's a really fun time. Even though my past businesses are a little dying, I think looking at the future progress of where my business is going now, I'm like super excited. Yeah, you know, I mean, that's kind of how we all get to that point of like, we have to let go of what we've already created to make space for even bigger and better things. And and like you were telling us at the beginning of the interview, you know, like if it's not making us happy, if it's not bringing us that fulfillment, then why do it, <laughs> right? It's, yeah, life is like, so short. Like we only have so much time on this earth. Um, I used to have this concept called 88 Decembers. And the way the concept works is the way that I think about life is let's say the average lifespan is around 88 years. Okay. For me, my favorite time of the year is December because you see all the Christmas lights out, the air feels nice and crisp, everyone's in like a joyous holiday type mood. Mm -hmm. And I thought to myself, like, I only really have 88 of these. And now, like, I'm already past the midway point, I think, or almost, almost close to the midway point where I only have so many Decembers left. And this means only so many times to stand under the mistletoe, only, only certain, you know, so many times to go on summer vacation, only so many times to celebrate your birthday. And it kind of gets scary. So doing these things that don't make sense, having that job that doesn't make you happy, hanging out with people that are toxic, like th this is something that I've slowly learned to get rid of in my life. I wish I had known much earlier, but it's making me such a much more happier person. And it really is all about that happiness. That really puts it into perspective. I, I really like that. I might uh, start using that myself. <laughs> I love that. Um, okay, Robin, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, I have loved getting to know like what you're doing more. Um, guys, definitely go reach out to Robin. Go listen to his podcast. Um, is there any other parting words that you'd like to leave? Any last minute thoughts there, Robin? No, at the same time, Susan, I just want to say that you are a rock star as well. I'm so happy to have met you. You've helped me a lot with my funnels. And likewise, you were telling people that you, you were suggesting people should reach out to me. And at the same time, I would actually say, like, it was such a pleasure to work with you as well. And people should definitely reach out to you for help on their funnel conversions. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. A little, a yeah. little plug to me thrown my way. You're the first person to ever do that. Oh, awesome. Awesome. <laughs> Awesome. Okay, guys, thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you liked this or if you know somebody who needs to hear Robin's message and what he's doing, please share this episode with them and also go rate and review and subscribe so you can hear all the other cool, amazing people that I bring on. And we'll talk to you next time. Bye.